listening to Bleeding Page Podcast. Join authors Chad Lutsky and Jason Brandt as they delve into writing and publishing the dark side of fiction. Chad, how's it going? Mr. Brandt, it's going all right, man. It's going good. We just had a very nice interview with Mr. Mallerman. Dude, every time... I talk to him or even just listen to him. I just want to go lock myself in a room for a week and just do nothing but write. It, he's so inspirational for me. Yeah, he's very driven and just the way he talks about the process and everything. Yeah. It's very motivational. He is, I like the way his mind works. His passion is very uh, contagious, man. Absolutely. We covered a lot of topics. <laughs> we were kind of all over the map, but we it, were. it seemed to fit. It had a nice flow to it, so I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I had more that, that I, and, and I was serious at the end when I said I was going to bug him again about coming back on. I'd love to ask him more about some stuff, and maybe by then, um, he will have more info on the documentary thing that we talked about. Absolutely. I thought that was a very cool idea. When he described it, I was like, how am I going to be boring? But then as he got in, a little, sounds like a really yeah, cool man. project, actually. Yes. So... You got any news going I, on? I got a little news. First of all, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, your podcast slash show, streaming show, Final Guys, because on Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock every single week, um, Eastern Time, because there's not uh, a lot of people that know about it. And I know a lot of uh, writers and readers show up there. Um, some ones that have never been in there before showed up. And it dawned on me that um, this is a really a show that a lot of people would love to, you know, hang out in the chat and talk with other people and inter interact with the show or just, you know, listen to uh, everybody talk about film, um, you know, bad movies or uh, horror news and stuff. And they just don't know that it's there. So I don't know if anybody listens to this, uh, you know, uh doesn't already know about that but if they don't i would encourage them to i don't have the url i, I could put the url in the in the description well so thanks man i mean you're on there all the time and uh, we have fun with it I, yeah. I enjoy doing it i'm on there a lot and if i'm not i'm almost always in the chat so i never promote it just like i don't promote any of my work <laughs> it's a good time i would encourage anybody to, to check it out it's a real good time you uh hunter and jack uh great camaraderie love all three of you guys uh um, it's, it's always, uh, I'm, I'm really genuinely with my tribe when, uh, when I'm there. So, uh, yeah, go, go check it out. Maybe Thanks, you'll man. feel like it's Appreciate part of your tribe that. too. The other thing I wanted to mention, and I have been mentioning that, uh, so I'll only say it briefly, but my collection through Cemetery Gates Media called Spinal Remains is out. And so is Wounds to Wishes through Crystal Lake Publishing, which features three novellas with myself, Robert Ford and John Bowden. And then uh, a uh, anthology, a Western horror anthology called, what the heck is that thing called? I got it written down here. Um, it's a long title. Blood in the Soil, Terror on the Wind. Um, bunch of authors there in there. I've got a story in there called Voodoo Higgies that is fairly funny. Um, that's out now through, I can't put, I can't remember who put that out. Oh, Brigands Gate uh, Press put that out. Ah, so Very nice. That's what was the name of your story? Voodoo Higgies. Voodoo Higgies. That's an yeah. interesting title. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's got some humor in it, man. I, I like it. So nice. I don't know if anyone else coach. likes it uh, because uh, it just came out like yesterday or the day before. So very nice. Yeah, I on my writing front, I have not started my uh, new book yet, but I have started doing double the episodes on my YouTube show, which means I have less than zero time at this point. So I might have to start chronicling how I <laughs> how I manage to get all the projects done that I want to do, which is. Josh in the interview is how does he uh, juggle so many projects because it's something I'm struggling with right now and I need to figure out. So uh, we'll see what happens, but hopefully I can start writing again soon. But it's uh, I'd love to it's see been a long month. I'd love to see that. Yeah, it's been my best month ever. Like I've made more money this month than I've ever made in my life in a month. So it's good. It's just one. So I'm trying to juggle. You know. Right, continuing that business and get back to my writing business. So sure. we'll see what happens. I'm sure I'll mention it the next time and I will have made no progress on <laughs> figuring everything out. Anything else before we get into this? Uh, that'd be it, man. All right. We have a, are you reading his bio or are we just, yes. uh, well, Mal? I mean, you know, I didn't write it down. I'm not going to read it. It's Josh Mailman. Yeah. I mean, he wrote Bird Box. He's wrote, a, he's written a ton of stuff. I mean, his, his, uh, the movie Bird Box broke, uh, all kinds of records, or at least one huge record at Netflix when it came out. Um, if you haven't read him, you at least know about the, the film Bird Box. But if you are a writer or a reader, um, this is one episode you definitely don't want to uh, miss. Uh, Josh is a, a, a very unique individual. Love hanging out with him. I love the guy more and more every time I uh, uh, spend time around him or with him. And yeah, this is a, this is a special episode that I wish were three times longer than it is. Yeah, if we can ever get him on again, maybe we'll try to allot a little more time. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I feel like we could talk about the industry, all kinds of industries actually, and creative processes with him for a long time. Yeah, he has some unique takes for sure. So here's and with that with Josh Malin. Get a lot written today. Yes. Josh, it's so good to be hanging out with you again. Uh, yes. I think the last time I talked to you was, well, actually in some of the Zoom meetings that we had uh, with the project that, was, that we were doing. Um, but before that was, you were on my Paleo Cheese podcast and I made you watch uh, November. The yeah. Black and white uh, folk film. No, it's funny. Film. Last night when I was thinking about today, mm -hmm. it crossed my mind. I was like, wait a minute. Was, I, was there a movie I was supposed to watch? <laughs> <laughs> nope nope but uh so it's good to see you and um I, I really wanted to go to your shindig that you had I, I wish i could have been there it looks like it was pretty out there man the videos that i saw in there i was like man that that looked like a, a crazy time okay so there's a, a tv series i'm not sure how much i can say about it but i mean they've been posting the, the creators of it have been posting the about it so i suppose whatever i'll just say it's a show about writers and this is the pilot episode mm -hmm. and it's all horror authors for this uh episode and for this season um and they told me like the plan was they're going to come to each of there was three authors featured in the first episode and they were going to go to each author's home and interview them that kind of thing and they were talking about interviewing me like on the deck and stuff 
And I was a little nervous about it because this meant like an entire camera crew was coming to my house for like four days. And, mm -hmm. and not just that, but like people, some people that I are friends that I'm friends with in the horror scene and some that I'm not. So it's not just a camera crew. It's also like, I kind of got to be engaged and on and, and myself and present. I mean, you know, I'm not going to have horror. Uh, like if you came over, Chad, I'm not going to be like, Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to just be in the office. Like we'd be hanging out. Yeah. Talking. So I was aware that like four days were going to be pretty intense. And then they hired a director, Jamal Hodge and, Jamal said to me, I don't know if I like the idea of you just being alone, or I'm sorry, you just being interviewed on the deck. What's a better way to get to know you? And I'm like, oh man, what's a better way to get to know me? And I was like, well, I guess maybe this would be like, this would stand out possibly. Like my birthday is right around there and I am the, and I am the kind of guy to host parties. Do you, why not film me hosting a party? <laughs> Dude, that is a great idea. And Jamal was like, yes, this is it. That's it. That's what we're doing. And is there alcohol at this party? Oh boy! Oh, okay. <laughs> this, <laughs> this was night one of everyone arriving. The whole camera crew arrived at like you know noon or something. And earlier in the day, I had written a friend of mine, and I'm, I know I'm talking forever suddenly. I had written a friend of mine asking her to come to the party. She said she couldn't because she's in this like marching band that plays sort of like New Orleans, but it's like it's like. They play like songs and it's they're like a party band, but they but they play like giant bass drum and horns and stuff. So I can't come because I have marching this band practice, Detroit party practice. I'm like, okay. And then she called me back and said, uh, uh, plot twist, um, our venue to practice fell through. Can we just play at your party? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so when the camera crew showed up, I said to Jamal, I was like, hey, great news. I got a marching band, a 23-piece marching band. And I mean, he was like, wait, what? Because, like, think about it. They had, they were preparing. They were already prepared for everything. They're like a marching band. Like, we have to like mic that. We have to film that. Like, what are we talking about? And I was just like, you know, I mean, we all were like, you know, whether it's a pain in the butt or not, there's a marching band coming. We have to use this. Yeah. <laughs> and that night, um, Jamal originally had told me like maybe you invite ten people over. So there were ninety-seven people. Allison and I counted, and and a twenty-three. Piece marching band and Allison dancing around in a bear suit. It was amazing. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. She <laughs> must have been, I, from what I recall, it was hot that day. She must have been burning up in that thing. Yeah, she was, she told me afterwards that she was, she got a little worried for a second. <laughs> Why was she in a bear suit? Just for shits and giggles? Uh, to dance while that marching band. So if you watch, not, I'm not saying that you should have, but if, if you watch a video of that party, it's like, it's crazy. There's all these people and, people jumping into a swimming pool and a marching band and, and a person in a very realistic or a really well done bear suit, you know, dancing around. <laughs> where, where can I see these videos? I think it's on my Facebook. I don't know. I don't know if it's on mine, but I, I don't know. I'll send you one. Okay. <laughs> Sounds yeah. interesting. It looks insane, but that's a good segue into, uh, I wanted to ask you, um, one of the main things I want to talk about tonight, we cover a lot of, uh, you know, self-publishing stuff, but in, in a lot of, uh, marketing strategies and promotional strategies, and you, um, you just demonstrated uh, a good example of you thinking outside the box to do things differently. Like how to get to know you? Would you be willing to? Normally, it would be a sit down, and then you would just you know do your interview or whatever. But to invite somebody to a party that you're going to throw, and then just say you know be a fly on the wall and watch us, is 
so different and that coincides with the other things that you do like your readings um but i before we get into that i, I did want to ask you you had mentioned that you were going to do this your own like documentary from the genesis of a book all the way through to the end have you started that is have you already done that okay uh, wow I, i'm so glad you remember that um so I had planned, um, and I had the book in mind for it and everything. And I even went out on the deck and, you know, I filmed like the first segment, like, here we go. This is what I know. Cause part of the plan of that project is, so it's a documentary on writing a novel from, from beginning to scratch. And I, and I want to be upfront with the audience, um, from the word go. So if I know the ending, then tell them the ending. Mm -hmm. Like I want the audience to know the viewer to know everything I know. Because there's no point. I mean, the whole point is that we're doing this together. If I'm working towards an ending that I know about, well, then we're not on the same trip if you don't know the ending. Yeah. So, so you get what I'm saying. So, I had this whole like, thing and I filmed it, and it was it just wasn't wasn't very good. And then um, I tried it again, and it was okay. And then I started considering like, do I need to get like a crew in here? Like, do I need to get a better camera? Maybe I could have like an awesome like sort of dolly system off the end of my desk that I could like pull the camera like closer or further away, like get my own sort of maybe surround myself with, with makeshift dollies. Mm -hmm. And, and cause Alice and I have like two cameras that I think would be good enough, you know, this kind of thing. And we have audio recording, but the, what happened was, um, uh, I, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but our cat died and Allison that night started painting a mural of the cat on the sort of foyer wall. So suddenly this giant wall in our house is now becoming an awesome mural. And when, while she was doing that, I outlined a different book of mine on the wall in my office. It's up here on the wall in my office, like just on the wall in Sharpie. Just, I don't know. We were like moved. The cat died. We were moved. She's painting. I'm, I'm, I'm going to write a book one day about this. Mm -hmm. And then I sat down and wrote that book. So while I was preparing to do this documentary of this one story, I wrote a different, I wrote a different book. And I suppose I could have done the documentary of that. And maybe I should have, but it just, it just felt like I just wanted to like get something done. So no, haven't done it yet, but I'm going to okay. absolutely for sure. And, and the idea again, I think it'd be interesting to a viewer. If you start off and you're like, I only know this much. I literally mm -hmm. only know this much. I don't know that I don't know the characters name. here's the scenario. I know the relationship here. I, this is what I'm trying to say. This is the atmosphere I'm going for. Uh, I have a landmark scene in mind. I'm going to tell you everything that I know right now. And I'm going to tell you everything that I, that I know as it comes as well. Yeah. So then you can actually see as a viewer, like, Oh, that was, Oh, that's where, the, that's where the book, uh, that's where it, you know, the real, meat of the matter came in. He was about halfway done when then it turned into a book about this. And now that's what the book is. Right. Or, Oh, that's where he took a wrong turn. I mean, whatever it is, but that I, I really want that thing. Because if you think about it, if we had that video of like one of our heroes doing that. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, man. That. yeah. Yeah. So and cool. it's, it's a step above those. You ever see those like behind the music or whatever, like uh black Sabbath did one for the album paranoid where it's oh, yeah. like, they're in the studio yeah. breaking down, you know, stuff they show, but, and they only can show so much old footage and stuff, you know, it's not like you're, we're watching this progress. It's just talking about, oh, I remember 50 years ago or 53 years ago when we were recording this one part and stuff. But with your thing, yeah, you can, you're, you're there 
for the whole ride. Okay, let's, like take that's a brilliant analogy. So take Dark Side of the Moon, right? Mm -hmm. And imagine if we had footage of Gilmore saying like he's working on his parts for Breathe, and then he's like, ah, oh, you know, I think I think I got to add reverb to this or something. And it would be this tiny thing in at the moment, but to us, is a legendary decision. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be something as as um, pervasive as Dark Side of the Moon. But for us to watch that happen, and then now it's the wettest, awesomest guitar sound ever. Right. And it's like, we, you know, to know, to be there when he thought of that, it's not, um, uh, what's the right word? He's not worshiping Dave Gilmore, it's being privy to the process. That's so exciting. Sure. Yeah. yeah. There is a video on YouTube. I think it's like a 45 minute video of the Rolling Stones writing Sympathy for the oh, Devil. Oh, that's it is um, great. Yeah. Didn't Truffaut direct that or something or film that? I can't remember, but it's, I mean, you watch it from yeah, just these yep. little seeds to turning into this. Oh, it's amazing. Know. They do like, it's like they do like, like so many different versions of it. Yeah. Yeah. Would this be something you would do like a, like a feature length movie, like 90 minutes or you think yeah. a snippet? I, I think, I, I'm, I think, I think I'm always thinking that way when, when I'm a bandmate, um, fellow songwriter Mark, who's coming over tonight. Um, when Mark writes a song and I write a song and now we have two songs, I'm like, oh, this is the start of an album. Like right away, my mind works that way. I wrote the outline for the book on the wall. I'm going to write this book right now. Um, and the same thing here. I don't want to, I don't want to, yeah, let's make this a movie, you know, Allison, you know, like let's, let's edit this into a movie and we could add music. I could add Allison singing her songs to it. I mean, like, let's, let's do something here. And it's really, I think my biggest problem and maybe you too, and you don't have to do it right now, obviously. Or a viewer or something can solve it for me is like, does it have to be pro looking or is is this good enough? What I have right now, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't care if it just ends up on YouTube or not even there, or it's just on my page or something and you watch it. But like something inside me still wants it to be like pro or semi pro, not, not in a lame way, just good. I, think well, I was wondering like, how you would make that engaging across 90 minutes visually. Like you mentioned sliders, like maybe motorized sliders or something. I mean, are you doing right. screen capture of you typing or is it just like well, watching a guy type on his computer? for I, 90 no, no, minutes? No, I think, I think part of it. Um, and this is going to be like obvious after I say it um, is the life of the writer while he's writing too. So if I go out to the bar that night, we're fucking and we're filming that we're filming that night out and we're filming me talking about where I'm at in the book with my friend James, who's a writer and we filming oh, on the phone with okay. my mom who um, she tells me, you know, I tell her I'm really excited about this one. And she says, you're always excited about them. <laughs> you're excited about every one of them. <laughs> I think it's, if you're worried about the moments, but it's, it's like, this is writing a book. And I, I even think there should be moments of like, I don't know about you guys, but like, when I wake up every day, there's sort of this like almost this cold sort of like, like uh, it takes me like an hour before I'm like myself. There's like, like this cold moment of like, geez, the world is like, we're just like rock floating in space and da da da. And I'll be like, all right, here we go. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's get to work. Now. And, and an existential crisis. Yes. I, I wake up with one of those every, I have since I was a kid. And, and I think that um, to, to, that stuff should be in there. And, and like, you know, making the same stupid lunch I make every day because I don't know how to make anything else should be in there. I, I think, but ultimately, though, we are talking about this book. I don't know if it's going to be visually engaging, but I think about it this way. 
and I've thought about a couple other movie ideas this way too. I, I would go see like a, a guy or girl like lecture on a book for an hour, 90 minutes. You know what I mean? I would go watch um, someone talk about, uh, I, I'm just trying to pick any book. Um, uh, I would just go watch someone give a speech for an hour about writing, right? So I think that if you look at it from that angle, if you say, hey, anything more than just me at the podium giving a speech is interesting in this case. It's the same thing with the readings. Anything more than just me at a podium, because sometimes when we're putting together the theatrical readings, we start to go a little overboard. And then we all remind each other like, hey, remember, anything more than Josh just at a podium is interesting. So we got the lighting, we got the fogs, we got music playing. If it was just music and Josh at a podium, that's more interesting than Josh at a podium. So keep those things in mind. Same thing with this documentary. I think if you approach it from that perspective, we see it as a speech on writing or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no, that makes a lot more sense. Encompassing the, your whole life as you write the book. That makes sense. Yeah. And then you, and then you look at it that way. You're like, okay, this could go 90 minutes for sure. And I think it's, I wouldn't worry about the, the film quality so much is I think where it would really shine would be in the editing, uh, the voiceover, uh, the music that you were talking about. And I mean, you could have the crappiest camera and if it's edited really well, it's good. It's going to be engaging, entertaining. Yeah, I think so too. And I, and I even think like cell phones enough. And it's also okay if the footage doesn't match up. One great camera, one cell phone, one uh, this, whatever, my computer camera. Like, so what? Great. Whatever. The I mean, it might match if your mindset is all over the place as you're being creative. That might even kind of match it, you know? Like uh, yeah. some's good quality, some shit quality, some's well done. I don't know. I don't know that. I, that's an interesting idea, though. I've, think i've ever heard anybody come up with that before i like that sweet yeah and i i guess i just got to kind of make sure of uh make sure that it's the right book to do because then there is that element too right jason where it's like you kind of hope that if you're going to do this and it doesn't matter what the book is it really doesn't but you kind of hope that it's a gem you know what i mean about of that? course yeah yeah there's this, there's a side of you that's like i mean you always hope when you sit down to write a book that it's a gem but if you're documenting this book, there's another side. This is like, <laughs> yeah, a little true. bit more side of you that's like, oh man, imagine if this is a good one. Imagine if this is a great one. And then you're like, yeah, what if you get this on tape? You know. So there is sort of that side. And maybe I should have um, documented incidents around the house. That's the one I just wrote. But I don't know. I don't know. I think this conversation is helping because um, it's making me come back to where I was at the head of this, which was a little bit more. Uh, it doesn't matter what the camera is. It doesn't matter. Like, don't don't think about a crew and stuff. When you're gonna spend thousands of dollars to film yourself writing a book, so so I think this conversation is reminding me of that. You definitely look to be good. It would uh, it would be terrible to have about a book that then sucks. I mean, just the memes people would have about it alone would be kind of funny, though. <laughs> yeah. No. See, I'm I kind of look at all of writing like I'm gonna sound like a used car salesman, but it's true. It's like there's kind of this spectrum, right? The best thing you ever read and the worst thing you ever read. And when every time you sit down to write, chances are you're going to fall on that spectrum somewhere. So, you know, that's why I don't believe in imposter syndrome at all. I don't even understand it with the concept of it at all. Because chances are somewhere, or you're going to land somewhere on the spectrum of your own judgment of taste, best or worst. And if you bust that spectrum at either end, if you write the greatest book you've ever read, or if you write the worst one, either way is spectacular. 
Oh, you're speaking my language, man. I watch so many bad movies. Yeah, uh, it's like what I do because I just I appreciate yeah. when something goes so completely off the rails. Right. So now imagine a documentary. It'd be like that movie. Uh, what was it called? Uh, American American movie. I think it was called American movie. Oh, the, oh, guys the two guys. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it'd be like now imagine a documentary of the worst book ever written. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm sold on this. I like this idea. That's true. <laughs> Anywhere it goes. As long as you're true and honest, I think it's good. <laughs> That's hilarious. It'd be like that uh, those documentaries, uh, that band Anvil. Oh yeah, ever seen that? <laughs> like the metal band, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. American Movie is a perfect example of of that. Yeah, it really is. That's a that's a great watch. I'm curious. I mean, you you're into you have a production company now, music books. How how do you find time to actually sit down and work on a book? Like, how wow. do you juggle all of that <laughs> well the book is like that's the centerpiece that's always like number one i've even um like when i was working on mallory i was invited to be on set um while creep show was being filmed in atlanta and it maybe i should have gone but i did it because i was working on mallory like like when the book is boss and always always it, everything's like that if there's a family trip or this or that or a convention for anything. He's like, no, 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 dude, I'm rolling. I don't want to say the artist is at work, but it, it is something like that. It's like, no, 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 you know, do not disturb. We're rolling. With that in mind, the so then the question becomes, how do you have time to do these other things, really? And and really, with the production company is Ryan, my manager and partner. I mean, he's like the business mind of it, and we have daily conversations every day. Him and I talk about everything that we're working on or trying to make happen. Um, and we've been doing it for a couple years now, maybe three years now. And um, so he does a lot of like the heavier lifting. He does. He, when, when someone um, hands in like a script, Ryan's like a, a great like uh, script doctor, teacher. Uh, he has brilliant ideas about it. I, I kind of don't. I'm, a, I'm the kind of guy that's like, oh, it's great. Let's film it. No matter what it is. Um, okay. And so, Ryan carries a lot of that weight. And in terms of the music, you know, the band, they all have kids. Oh, that's maybe the best answer to your question is that I don't have any kids. You know, I don't know. Do you, no. Jason, Jason, do you have kids? No. And Chad, you do. I've got three. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes people will be like, oh, you're so prolific and, and this and that. And I'll be like, and I, I honestly believe the answer is I don't, I don't have any kids. Sure. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I can't imagine friends, yeah. having kids with as I know, much kids dude. as I do now. Watching my friends, what they do and the amount of time they put into it and um, my bandmates, like my friend Mark is coming over for the first time. To, he hasn't he literally hasn't been able to get out in for like four weeks or something. So that's the real answer, because we all know as writers that if you work two, three hours a day, whatever you get done in that span, let's say it's a thousand words, something like that. Those numbers add up fast at the end of like a month at the end of two months you have like a rough draft of a novel so you know if you if you do that every day at the end of a year you could have six novels i mean obviously it's not so specific like that but if you don't have a day job to be at and you don't have kids to watch there's a lot of time to do all this stuff in a day okay so josh's productivity tips are wear a condom <laughs> delegate to your partners and the book is number one the book is absolutely number one. Or uh, if you're working on the album, oh, the, the album's number one. But the, the writing is number one. Yep. Okay. No, that makes perfect sense. Okay. Yeah. Did you have true. some, Chad? 
No, I was just thinking about how I don't have time. You know, I was, I was, uh, he was talking about music and I had begun the process of writing a soundtrack for a book that I had already put out um, that coincidentally already kind of has a soundtrack because it's based around uh, a Cure album. I'll, I mean, it's, it's has nothing to do with a Cure album, but it has everything to do with a Cure album. In, in the titles, lyrics are sprinkled out through as dialogue. And, um, but I started making my own uh, um, soundtrack for it. And I only recorded one song, and then I'm like, I felt like, man, I, j- I don't have time to do this. I got to get oh, back yeah, to yeah. writing. And it, I still, I keep thinking about that. I keep thinking about these other songs that I want to get recorded. And um, it's not that, you know, two of my three kids don't even live here. My youngest is is uh, almost 18. So it's it's not that. But I don't know. Man, Chad, I... I even had meetings. I almost, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I'm just going to say it. Um, I've had meetings with Waxwork about I want to write the soundtrack for Spin a Black Yard in the book. So that book's supposed to come out next year. Mm. And um, I talked to them at length about what it would be. It's five novellas. There could be five like totally distinct pieces of music. I talked to my bandmates and it, and then Waxwork is interested. I mean, it, I'd have to deliver something awesome, right? Yeah. But, um, same thing, man. It has been really hard to like find. You think like, oh, I'll just this is gonna be amazing. I'll just add music to this, and you're like, oh, yeah. It's like I'm. This is this is an endeavor. This is like a months long endeavor that I would be that we would be undertaking. To, to and it feels it feels like a different part of my brain too. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Uh, playing you, my guitar and, and late, you know, and, and and I mean the lyric writing puts me back into you know kind of the writing mode. But as far as like uh, you know vocal melodies or or. Uh, guitar, it's, yeah, it's like a different, I got to get my mind out of this other thing and put it into this other thing. No, I know. I, I always equate it to, to like it. sort of the, like a boy in a bubble and I have to like step out of this bubble yes. and that's an effort and then step into this bubble and that's an effort. Yeah. And like you, like. But you can't just dip your toe in it and yeah, then and then pop back out into the other one and have them both be you know really good it's like i i even um sort of argue that reading almost i almost have that trouble with writing and reading at the same like when i'm in on a book mm-hmm. especially when maybe when i'm rewriting when i'm in on a book it's like the, i can't imagine like afterwards reading a novel like like i can um i can read like a, and then when i'm done with that book i'll read like a novel in a day or two you know what i mean mm-hmm. but I like it's almost like I don't I don't want to be around like another mood or something like the, it's like protecting like okay we're in this when I was writing Bird Box we're in the we're on the river we are in this space I, let's I don't I don't even really want to watch a movie like and it's not like avoiding influence or something it's just trying to remain in this space for the duration of that rough draft or the duration of that rewrite right and I think that to the non-creative the non-creative the idea would be like, hey man, you write novels. Why can't you just finish writing and then go pick up your guitar? Right? And it's like, and it's like, I don't know how to say it. you're right. It should freaking be that easy, but it's not. Yeah. And, and yeah, Allison too has even like expressed sort of like, let's play music. You know, after I'm done, I'm like, whew, man, wow. I've been like coming up with like scenes all day, and then I'm just gonna like riff on the piano or something. I'm like, oh man, I don't want to. I just want to do. I just kind of want to lay on the couch. Yeah, <laughs> you, you've already you fried your brain. Yeah. So when you finish a book, do you take a couple of weeks off before starting another one so you can do other things you enjoy? Yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Maybe even more than that. I, I probably write. I no, I know. I I do write like an average of like two books a year. Um, it's been that way for eighteen years now. So there are thirty six in this office, and the rough drafts typically take a month. The rewrites are fairly extensive because the rough drafts are just like outrageous bar fests that are like so fun and colorful. It's should be criminal. And so, but think about what I just said. Like if it's only, so now we're saying only two like concentrated months on the rough drafts, how many months concentrated on, there's a million other things, short stories and interviews and stuff too. But, but um, there are gaps between, you know, I think anyone that says like I write every day, you know, I'm like, "Eh, no, maybe. No, you know, know. none of us do that. We try to, and we think about it every day. No doubt about that. And we write a lot, but I'm coming up with two books a year in a real way, meaning like, you know, rewrites and everything. And I have, man, I got enough days off to write two more a year. So, so yeah, there is that, that balance, but I don't, Chad, I don't know about you, but after finishing a rough draft, I, one time I did immediately turn around and rewrite that book. Have you ever done that? Uh, um, I mean, only to the, to, to the point where like switching tenses or uh, I don't think I've done a, a whole book. I've done half book where I changed the concept completely and I, I changed oh, the tense to and the POV. Yeah. Because I, it's like, I almost, it's almost like I need like, or I would like, like not a life coach, but someone to be like, like, don't do that. Like, you know, finish the rough draft and then I'm about to rewrite. No, 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 no. You got to wait, go up North for like a month. You know, <laughs> you need to get away from this for a minute. And, and that's true. We come back and we're like, Oh God, this rough draft is so embarrassing. Have you, have you ever done that, Jason? Written, uh, completely rewritten something. Um, like right back to back. Like not a rewrite where I was changing tenses and things like that. No, but uh, I always do my second draft right after it. But oh, you do? Yeah, yeah. Like like the next day, I finish it and then I just I do that. But I do the I do the um, I guess I I will call it the Lansdale method. Even though I I had been doing that when I realized, hey, Lansdale does this too. But I so when I'm done, it's a pretty darn clean draft. Of course, I go through it a couple more times. Uh, yeah, I I edit as I go, so my second draft takes me two weeks. Wow, it's yeah, I'm, not I'm, a lot, and it's usually like my stupid brain. I'm noticing all the words I had missing, or I'm like, ah, this scene sucks. I'm gonna take this out, or I need to punch it up, or whatever. You say hi to the world, the doggy. Hi, say no. Look over here for a second. Just so what kind of dog is that? This one, This is a Weimariner. Just cute. Lean forward so they can see you this way. There you go. <laughs> I uh, I I don't like doing that though because I think that it hinders um, being even more prolific because um, I'm a perfectionist so I'm and I, I'm it, it takes some some of the joy so I don't just let it get out it's like oh I have to fix this before I move on I've got to fix this before I move on um, where I feel like um, uh, and it feels like it maybe it takes longer to finish a book that way and if it's like, man, if I could just get my head in a spot where I just let it all out and then I worried about it later, having that first finished, like, this is a book right here that I'm looking at. And it didn't take as long as, right. you know, now mm-hmm. now all I have to go through, yeah, I've got to go through and mm-hmm. do this thing, but that's a big motivator for me. Yep. No, exactly. I, I That's been my thing since day one is, you know, would you rather have 300 pages that you can fix or no pages at all. So, yeah. so that's the whole concept of like, who cares if this rough draft is good or bad is right. that 
it's such a motivator to have the book here. I wrote this one. Uh, just finished it recently, like a month ago or whatever. And I printed it out. It's on the desk. And it's exactly what you're saying. Like, how, what a motivator to like go back into this and like give it my all and talk about it with my agent and talk about it with uh, Delray and Penguin. Mm-hmm. But like, here it is. It's real. Yeah. And I don't feel like I'm just pitching some idea. Also recently, and this is freaking awesome. <clears throat> Ryan and I had a meeting with a director, a fellow that has um, like six movies, six features made. And he's a young guy. And um, it was really exciting to meet him because I felt like I was meeting a sort of a kindred spirit in this prolific way. Um, and for the same reasons or something. And in this meeting, um, he starts saying what he's a fan of mine. I'm a fan of his. He, we're trying to figure out something maybe to do together one day. And he starts describing what he's into. And I'm like, man, I think this dude would like this book of mine. That's like a rough draft I wrote in 2011. And it's been in this, you know, office, whatever, in this crate since then, you know, just haven't put it out yet. There's a lot of them here. And it's one of my favorite ones of mine. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pitch him on that. I'm just going to tell him this, you know, right now in this meeting. And I did, I told him all about the book. He's like, Oh, that sounds great. Can I read it? And I'm like, ah, shit. You know, all I have is this draft that I wrote like 12 years ago, you know, whatever it is. And I'm like thinking like, yeah, I wanted you to say that. And now I don't know what to do that. You said that. Um, so I just, I was like, screw it. I sent him the rough draft the next day and I was really nervous about it. He read it within like a week or whatever. He already has the script storyboards and he's trying to find financing to make this movie right now excellent so, wow. so my question is then or not my question my point of bringing this up is it underscores exactly what you and i are saying right now that to have that book on yeah. me it was not just a motivator to as you say like rewrite it or write another book but it's also something to talk about to show someone to talk about um, you know, maybe you make a novella of it and, and put it out somewhere. Maybe you um, shoot your own film of it, you know, but for it to be done, even in a wonky form or it's not mm-hmm. its best form, I love your word is a motivator. Hmm. No, that's very interesting. I like, yeah. the, I like the idea of just getting words down, to be honest. Yeah. Sure. Um, hmm. I think that's really important in, in um, uh... I would love to, I, I have a lot of, I probably have three half-written books. And if I didn't write the way that I write, I'd have three written books. They wouldn't be good, you know, as good as they were going, they would going to be, but they would be done. And I wouldn't be, uh, I'd be a little bit more eager to get back to them instead of having them be kind of like this, these stressful little things on the back burner. Oh, on, on my shoulders. So, okay. So how many books have you written? I, uh, 17. Wow. Wow. Okay. So 17 and three unfinished. I, I already told you whatever I've written a few dozen, but I had two unfinished mm-hmm. and well, actually you can argue there's one more, but there's two unfinished and I, I did it. I went back and finished them and I'm, we're talking like 10 years later kind of thing. And when, how old are the two of yours recent or, um, your- uh, you mean the ones that aren't finished yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, within the last couple of years, they're not that. Okay, early. so so they're not like haunting you. You're you're not like they're not haunting you yet, you're right? Just yeah, finished them. Uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, but I had that that whole like I had you know I'd be like at a party drinking, and I'd be like marbles, ah, shit marbles. You know, I'd be having like the time of my life. I'd be like on a roller coaster with Allison, and I think marbles. You have to finish marbles. You know, 
I'd be like going to see like my nephews being born. I'm like, Ryan, is it a boy or a girl? Marvels. I, I actually do have one like that that I keep forgetting. <laughs> so we'll add one to the to the un, uncompleted <laughs> ones. And I haven't done it because it, there's, uh, it's because of the um, the nature of it and some of the stuff in it was uh, too difficult for me to write, I guess, at the time. Um, sometimes I, I write, I read stuff out loud to my wife. She likes that rather than me. Uh, you know, so when I'm done with the book, I'll, I'll oftentimes read it out loud. That's cool. And I couldn't do that with this. Um, I just couldn't cause I was like starting to choke up. And so after that, I just, and this was probably four or five years ago. And so I keep forgetting about it, but I guess that one kind of haunts me cause it's like, you know, you got to write that eventually and you have to deal with, um, with, with this thing. I don't mean to be so tangential or whatever the exact phrase is, but can I ask you, so what you're describing, is it um, choke up because it was like reflected like a personal experience in your life or was it yeah, just yeah. heavy ass shit and then it was like- No, personal experience, yeah. Okay, okay. Yep. I guess I guess I should have known. If someone's choking up, it's not because they wrote something too brutal. It's because they're writing something <laughs> no. reflective. Of, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no I, can, I can get through that. It's not fun always, but yeah, I can get through that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So- the point, though, for viewers, is that um, to go back and finish those, I, one of them, um, I mean, I'm just making sure I'm right. No, I think I, I started them both over. I think I started them both over. So, because it had been, like, literally, like, 10 years, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, do, like, go back and, like, rewrite this front half. No, I read the front half or, like, the order of scenes and then just, like, rewrote it. But this time, made it through that halfway point and freaking finished. Both those books had reached the 40,000-word mark. 40,000 words and you're not mm. you're not gonna go oh, man just like just like give me like 10 shitty thousand words and then just put the end for crying out loud but yeah. yeah i wrapped up those i did and it's a good feeling they don't haunt me anymore is that typically when you get stuck around the forty thousand word mark i don't typically get stuck but i think that if i'm going to or if there's ever that out to see feeling it's around there there's 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 the fuel of the beginning and whatever character, maybe like I, you know, uh, let's say take Mallory, for example, she like, I was so excited to write her, you know, from the start. And so there's the fuel of meeting Mallory and the scenario she's in and the, the kids with her in this boat, all this stuff. And then at some point, like 40,000 words deep, you're like, I kind of know how this ends. Like, where the fuck am I? You know? <laughs> like, 30,000 words every book I write 30,000 yeah. words I hit a sticking point yeah there's sudden, sudden you know my mom yeah. is trying to write a book right now which is super exciting to me That's and cool. I told her I'm like I'm talking to her like you, like you and I are talking out Jason where I'm like okay you're going to come to this you're going to come to this fork in the road alright just believe me when you get like 40,000 words deep you're going to wonder like you're going to feel like you can't see where you left anymore and you can't see you are out to see and in there you have to be strong, mom. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, it's honestly, it's within like two or 3,000 words of 30K. Every goddamn book. That's interesting. It's almost like, like, that's the, you're like, what am I writing? Is this any good? Like, is, yeah. this, is this a lemon? Is this like, where am I going? Are these scenes like, oh man, I had a grasp on it a minute ago. I don't now. And then all like, and then yeah. you're like, oh, okay, I'm just going to write through this. I'm going to get through this. And then you do, and you're like, Phew. yeah. Once I get to like forty, I'm I'm good. But man, there's a there's like a couple days in there where I'm just like, I suck. What am I doing? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, it is about that middle point for me too. Yeah, yeah, it's really we're, strange. We're talking all these numbers, and I just realized that earlier when I said that I made uh, four figures a year writing, it's five, and I just realized that I said four. So you guys are probably like, you should probably stop, Chad. <laughs> oh, no, I wouldn't say that. You know, I would never say that anyway. Not unless you would. So you're good with numbers, is what you're saying? I, I, I got to yeah, I guess. I got a question for you, Josh. Um, I noticed that you, um, you seem to be really like I've never seen you, um, like hate on anything, and uh, even even a I don't know, mainly I guess books. Um, at least you don't. Maybe maybe you do behind you know closed doors or whatever. But what what? Where does that come from? Like, how, how do you, like, you, do you, tr do you really do just appreciate every book that you read? Or do you, do you read some and you're like, this is garbage? No, it's never quite like that. I, I think I, and I probably have said this to you before. Um, I am able to, in any book I'm reading, I'm able to locate the reason the book was written. I can, I can, I can smell it. I can feel it. I can point at it and say, this is it. This is why this book was written. This was the nugget. This was, this was the jet fuel that started, that got the writer in the chair to write this book. It's this Allison. It's, it's, it's this thread or this character or this scene. You can just feel it mm -hmm. like in a song or something, right? Like you like, that's the, that's the song, you know, you can like feel it or something. The only time I ever do sort of feel like I wouldn't say garbage, like it's garbage or something is if there's a sense and the same thing with music of someone like, see, I don't want to say like trying to write a bestseller because even that's like its own bizarre skill. And I can, if I read someone that's like a bestseller um, or, or trying to write like that, I, and they do it well, it's kind of like, Oh shit. Like if someone writes a great pop song, right. You're like, you might mm -hmm. be like, oh, that's lame, but also like, hmm, that's a good song. Right. It's got a hook. Yeah. 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 Something. Right. But I, I do think that like, in a general sense, though, where we're coming from um, is a more artistic place or is a more soulful place, is a more like like foot stomping, awesome guitar sound place rather than a corporate like single. And so the, those moments, sometimes when I read something like that, I could be like, I'm not talking about James, Pat James Patterson. I'm talking about like, you know, like in our scene and shit, I'm talking about, you know, sometimes you can kind of feel someone swinging for a bestseller. And in those moments, I'll kind of have like, they're trying to write a hit versus like, like the, cause there's a modern sort of like sense of humor to that. And there's a modern pacing to that. And there's a modern, like you can just, there's just a, you just feel it or, or smell it's, it. It's not real. Yeah. It's not, it's yeah, not authentic. I almost feel bad saying this even because all right, well, I don't know. They, they're trying to pull that off though. And there's something about that too. I don't know. But the, I was, so I wouldn't say I'm like, this is garbage, but I am like, I'll be like, I will say to Allison, oh, they're, they're swinging on, like this person's swinging on this one. Yeah, right, right. Sure. Okay. So you're able to pull something from anything you read, even if maybe it's a book you don't like, you can pull motivation from it or you can, you like the scene or why they wrote it or whatever it is. Yeah, I think so. I think that the worst horror novel we read is better than most horror movies we see. And, and I think that because a lot of the time um, it's that we want to be like, what's the right word? Um, to sink into that world, that atmosphere, the mood of a horror story, 
right? We want to be within a horror story. We want to be inside. And look, I'm sitting like in front of a casket while I say this. We want to be inside a horror story, children. And and um, so I do think like a book is just naturally more immersive. And so even even a horror novel that we're like, mm, whatever, it's still like, or it could be like the straightest story ever. And we're still like, yeah, but it's, but it's a scary story. In a movie that can fall really flat, for us, you know, it's like a really trite or, or uh, to me too glossy or not, not enough atmosphere, that kind of thing. There's a lot of things that can go wrong in a movie, I feel like. And with the book, I'm like, this is somebody just telling me a scary story. And where would I rather be than that? So and, why, why start a production company if you prefer books to movies? Well, I mean, that's because that's the goal is to, is to make the great, is to make the good horror movies is to, is to, you know, I, I, for a long time, I was um, collecting horror VHS. And I had, there was a long time in my life where I was living in friend's hallway. I lived in a friend's hallway for a while, not even the basement, the hallway. I rent that, anyway. That's a good friend. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yes, no doubt. Um, wow, that's insane. Anyway, but I carried around with me these three boxes of horror VHS and like not much else, but I did have a little combination TV VCR thing too. And, um, I used to, you know, kind of like say to his name was Joe. Uh, is Joe? I would say to like Joe and stuff. Like in the genre, there's a lot of sifting through. Like, oh boy, oh oh man, oh yeah. And then, but when you find a gem or you find something that speaks to you, whether that's high art, low art, however you want to look at it, it's like yes, like I found another one. I found it. Whether everyone knows about it or not, or you found it yourself, or it doesn't matter. You you got another one. So the production company, like, I mean, that's the fantasy, right? That's the dream is to to make one of those like that movie scare me. Did you guys see that one? Josh Rubin directed. I did I in the cabin. Yeah. I love that movie. Oh, the one that's like a play. Yeah. 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 I, I love that movie. Yeah. Right. And like that kind of thing to me was like, I don't say a diamond in the rough. Cause it's not even what I mean to say. Just, it, it was like a gem. It was, it's what I was looking. It's what I'm always looking for or something. Unique. It's very, yeah. Unique. yeah it's it something di- different, different for sure. Yeah, and so if Ryan and I could pull that off. I mean, look, the real freaking fantasy on one level is like, I want to direct a movie. I want to direct one of these books. But I also like, we were just talking about making a soundtrack for your, you know, for your book that like the time. Woo. And I read an interview with Clive Barker where he was saying he stopped directing movies because every time he directed them, it was two years of his life, you know, and I, and I'm, I want to do it. And I'll bet you, you guys want to do that as well. And I'm going to do it, damn it. But, you know, if Ryan and I could pull this, if we can make something great or be a part of something great happening, then I, I want to give, I want to be one of the guys that deliver one of those, one of those gems. So how exactly does it work? Say you get a script in from somebody and you like it, option it, whatever. Do you go about trying to get funding for it? Yeah. Yep, exactly. So, Typically, Ryan, well, I wouldn't say typically because each scenario is very, very different. Um, but Ryan will give a lot of notes on the script side. We'll have meetings about that. I will read typically like the first draft and then one that's after like a few later that Ryan um, and the writer had like worked on together. I'll read like a, like a fourth draft or something. But Ryan's in like the trenches with that stuff typically. And at some point he'll say okay, I think we can bring this out. Let's bring this, you know, look for funding here or here. But man, that side of things is, whew, that is a whole different world. 
And, and it's almost like, because you realize that the literally the only thing holding a production company, or let's say me and Ryan, that would hold us up from just green lighting every project we're working on is money. Literally, that's it. That's it. So if Ryan and I had that money ourselves, like I'm talking millions of dollars to be able to just make a bunch of movies, then we would. So it's like, okay, at some point you start saying to yourself, all this work we're doing, rewriting the script, um, trying to find funding, kind of have a lead here, kind of don't there. The, 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 that There's a lot of that, okay? <clears throat> and then you're like, maybe what we should be doing is finding, getting like that singular investor to invest. Like, let, let's just, I'm just making this number up now. If we have a few movies we think that could be made for 250 grand, let's get someone to invest $1 million and make three movies on our own now. We want, we need to get someone to give us a million dollars and we make these three movies. Let's green light these three. To me, that's so much more um, progressive. That's so much more momentum rather than, you know, in a linear fashion, you have this project and now we have to find the funding and maybe this is a lead, maybe it's not. And now people are losing enthusiasm sure. it's too long. Ryan, we just need a pile of money to hand to each of these three movies. And, you know, and obviously we're working, with, we would be working with people that we trust and whatever, meaning directors and, and other producers who, um, you know, would be doing like the daily grind on these movies or whatever. And to like sort of oversee this, that to me is like the ideal scenario. Now that I just got to find that guy to give me a million dollars. I just got to find a rich friend. <laughs> but I mean, I, again, I was just sort of making that number up. I mean, it, although it does actually kind of make sense too. Yeah. I'm sure the three of us can make three movies for a million dollars. I know you've got a, a hard out. Chad, do you have anything else you want to uh, ask? For I me? have a lot. And that's why months down the road, I'm going to bug Josh again and ask him to come back. Well, no, we, so. we could, um, I mean, we can keep going. You want to go for a little bit longer? No, that's fine. We can. I know Jason's got a bail too. I think. Okay, you do. Okay, I didn't want to. I didn't want to look like I was ending the party. No, no, no. It's fine. We we usually only do forty five minutes anyway. But uh, okay. I don't know. The whole production company thing is very fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. It's something I would like to do at some point in the future. And I'm, I don't know. The whole industry behind movie making is just horrific to me. I hate yeah. the way it's yep. all done. It drives okay. me crazy. Dude, me too. So wait, but I didn't mean to interrupt you. So are you? Do you find yourself in these scenarios also like meetings about making movies and, and half the stuff that people are saying, you're like, why are we worried about this? Every person I've ever talked to who just wanted to option one of my stories. I'm like, you are slinging so much bullshit at me right now. Like, just speak plainly to me. Like, why do, why are we, I don't know. I just hate everything about it. I hate even raising money. Um, no, I know. I know. I just, I, I don't think like it costs money at all. And then there's another side of me that says, why don't we look for movies that don't? And now that sounds insane. What am I talking about? But I'm like, I don't know, Ryan. You know, I'm talking to Ryan now. Ryan, I don't know. Like, we can like make a movie on like our cell phone these days. Like, what? Maybe we need to be thinking. And it doesn't have to be found footage, man. Like, maybe we need to be thinking more creatively in that way too. The thing in meetings, Jason, that like messes me up, and I and I pretty much punch out every time we have one of these moments in a meeting is when people start talking about casting, and I'm talking about like other producers and studios and stuff. And there's oftentimes a sense there of like. The way that it's talked about is like, it's like people as like meat or something, like this person's ranked this high and this person's ranked. I'm like, ranked? Like all of our yeah. favorite movies, nobody was ranked. Like I didn't know who um uh, the young woman, the star of The Witch was when we saw The Witch. We saw The Witch because it was a brilliant, scary movie. Yeah, exactly. And, and I hate I was, all of that stuff. Know, Florence Pugh or however you say her yeah, name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know her in Midsommar. We watched it because it was great. So, so I, in those moments, but I understand that they're all saying, if we want funding, we need this. 
One time, Ryan and I had a meeting. Oh, my God. We had this unbelievable meeting. I won't say what studio. The meeting's going so well, blah, blah, blah. And at the end, the, the executive from the studio said, hey, if you guys can get Millie Bobby Brown to star in this, then we'll green light it. We were like, what? Wait a minute. So we just had this like super long meeting about, I mean, dude, if we got Millie Bobby Brown to be in a movie about like this coffee mug, you would green light it. Like, what, what are we, like, like we want her to, this is her best friend, this coffee mug. They'd be like, let's roll. Like, why did we even have this meeting for it to right. end on, if you can get the biggest movie star in the world in this age group, if you can get Brad Pitt, then we'll then let's work together. Why didn't you maybe just say that at the beginning? That's what exactly. sucks about movies. Just say that at the beginning. It's a business <laughs> and not an art. And that's why our theaters are filled with rehashed garbage or nothing but comic book films. And that's a whole different thing. But it's I not do. like a startup business. It's like an entrenched corporation with just so much bloat and annoying bullshit. Like yeah. Just sometimes I haven't been on too many movie sets, uh, just a couple. And just watching the way, you know, this is your job. You cannot help over here. Like if we need help, you can't do that. That's like their union rules sometimes. I'm just like, yeah. what is this? Like, well, I don't know. I, it just goes against the way I like to work. I just want to do what I, needs I, done. I know what you mean. And that and that's what I'm saying. Maybe Ryan and I, you know how like people would be like, um, uh, and then, God, this is all making me want to call Ryan right now about this. Like, you know, how people be like, oh, they just made a movie with their friends or, or I just made a movie with my friends. And it's like, um, there's a side of me that wants maybe Ryan and I to start seeing it, seeing what we're trying to do more that way. Like, because I agree with you and it even feels weird on the set. There's like this hierarchy that feels yeah. really weird. like, I'm like, like what, do you, what, do you, what do you like? What do you mean? Oh, he's the writer, the director. Who, who cares? We're all just human beings. Like, I know how to use the camera. You don't, or I wrote it. And who cares if I wrote it? And who cares if you're starring it? Let's just like excitedly make, tell a story together. I don't think that it has to be so compartmentalized and so stiff and so quasi fame, you know, you know, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. But I will also say, and this is very me to say this, that I have met some freaking awesome people out there, like amazing people. Like that director I was just talking about with that rough draft I sent felt like I met like a kindred spirit in this dude. Um, so I met like a lot of people who would probably agree with what you and I are saying right now too. If he was here right now, I'd be like, Oh, let me tell you <laughs> guys, of course. I made six features. You have no idea how insane it is out there. But I mean, I could talk about this all day, but you know, there is, I do find myself punching out in moments that feel like what you're describing, like in those casting moments or anytime you feel like you're swimming with sharks I kind of find myself like, mm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not interested in like harpooning the sharks in the producer pool of Hollywood. I'm interested in just like telling an awesome horror story. However, we make that happen. Let's just, let's just do that. Well, I hope you all the success with this because that's, I feel like that's what we need. I just want cool stories. Like, there are yeah. so many good independent horror stories on Amazon. You could just go buy one for four bucks and you're like, holy shit, this would be a great movie. Oh my God. And it'll well, never get made. Go pick up any anthology. I mean, Chad, you, know this better than anyone in the world go pick up any anthology and you feel like you literally can make these 20 movies yeah any any when you when you see that you literally feel like you can make all 20 of them it pisses me off like you're like what is going so what's going on here how many of these are out there and why is it so hard it's the money that's frustrating oh thank god thank god we have a24 and ifc because true it's true uh before we let you go we ask everyone two questions just very quickly if you could, one thing that you felt like 
uh, it was the most successful thing you've done, you know, whether it's, I don't know, writing advice or marketing advice or anything, what one thing could you pick that you would say this helped me the most? Uh, um, just like a, an absolute bullheaded, like sort of delusional sense that like, you know, like I was saying before, I don't believe in imposter syndrome. I just don't, I don't, when I, when I see, so I want, I almost, I kind of want to write a book about imposter syndrome and, and pretty much the whole point of it is, is that there isn't, there's nothing to be an imposter of, like there is no standard to be an imposter of. And so I think that, that knowing that and grasping that from the very start is without question, the thing that is helping the most. Why? Because when I sat down to write my first novel, I wasn't comparing it to anyone else. I wasn't saying this is good or this isn't good enough or this is this or this. I wasn't saying this isn't um, sellable. I wasn't thinking that way. I was just thinking I am writing a novel and that's enough in and of itself. And like Chad said before, that's the, that's in and of itself, the great motivator to write the next one. And when you're writing the next one, now you're starting to talk to people. What do you do? Oh, I write novels. You do. And you're like, Oh, I just said I write novels. Yeah. I write novels. And now you're working on number three. How many have you written? Well, I've written three. You've written three books. And by the time you're like talking about it online, a friend from high school writes you and says, Hey, I see you're, you know, posting every month about a new book you wrote. Um, I have a lawyer friend that helps represent, or I have, you know, this and that. Can you send me one? And you already have Bird Box done and you already have Goblin done. And you already, be and why? Because back to the start, you, when you first sat down to write number one, there was nothing, you, there was never any sense of anything to be an imposter of. So I would say that it's that. It's just this bullheaded sort of like, not only do I belong, everyone belongs, let's roll. I always ask also, what piece of advice would you say people should stay away from? But it sounds like that's kind of the same answer. Don't believe in imposter syndrome. Well, one thing with, I'm trying to think, is there stuff on Twitter I'll see every now and then where I'm like, I'm like, oh man, people worry about that. What is it? Well, yeah, I know it's imposter syndrome is one, but there's another one, not trends, because everyone seems to know not to, it, the the um, tastes and everything, not only do they move so fast, but it seems like all tastes are happening all at once now. Like you can put out quiet horror or loud horror right now, uh, slasher or like a family drama. And it all like, it's all in right now. You know what I mean? There isn't, mm -hmm. so what trend, when people say don't follow trends, it's kind of like, yes, but also everything is a trend right now. Okay. But there is other stuff I'll see online like that I just think is a little too stiff for me, you know? It'll be like, um, I, I see people that talk about like you, um, you uh, like a real writer like uh, hates writing but loves having written. There's that phrase. And I'm like, oh man, no. And I saw um, S.A. Cosby, I saw him responding to that. Like, like, I love writing. I love it. It's a joy for me. And I'm like, yes, me too. And that doesn't, like, I think it's important to, remember that uh, a joy doesn't mean it's not hard. I mean, my God, I mean, like, like stupid example, I'm going to go run, like I was saying, right. And then after we're done, it's going to suck. And then when it's done, it's gonna be like, yes. And the feeling of like, you did it is enormous, that accomplishment. So I, I think that is, is a sort of indirect way of answering just the second part of your question is like, um, this sense of like, it's okay to, feel good about this it's okay to like you don't have to be that's like self-loathing like like i hate writing or it's so you know this kind of thing like man if you hate writing then i don't know don't write solid advice don't be a <laughs> douchebag writer 
I also understand what people mean when they say that, but to me, it's like, come on, man, come on. Yeah, well, it's hard, Josh. but let's go. Let's go. I know you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a yeah, privilege. appreciate it, Josh. It's great seeing you again. Yes, big time. You guys too.